right. Thank you, Aaron. I agree. I think 2022 is going to be a big, good year for all of us, right? I'm, I'm hoping for that. <laughs> well, Nick and Katie, I'm so thankful you guys are sitting down with me. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> um, for those who have never met you, like, can we do like, before we dive into the meat of it, like maybe just share a little bit about yourselves and where you like kiddos, family, yeah. how long you've been so here. So we have, I've been here for almost 13 years now. Um, <laughs> I've been through quite a few things <laughs> since I've gotten here. I've lived with Greg and Tracy Abel, mm-hmm. and then I lived with another couple in the church. Then I got married to Nick. Then we had more kids. Then we got into foster care. We built house. We've, we've done a lot of things since we've been here. Yeah. But yeah, we have um, four kids, and then we have a goddaughter who was our foster baby, but now she's our goddaughter. And so we get her sometimes, mm-hmm. and then we're expecting another baby, so <laughs> there's all kinds of kids around. And uh, yeah, we live pretty simple out in the Ford compound life. <laughs> So as normal as you can be on a compound, you know. On a compound. Yeah, we live that way. So it's all good. And Nick? <laughs> Nick? She, she, she summed it up pretty good. I mean, yeah, we, we raise a lot of kids and continue to run wherever they're they're needing to go and mm-hmm. and just continue to go where God calls us, and that's more kids, so that's where <laughs> we're at it. right now. Yeah. Kids and kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's we uh, Well, so in the last, I mean, would we say it's been two years? Would we say it's like it was, where we would uh, want to start this whole oh. deep dive? Because y'all have like an amazing testimony, yeah. and that is what I really wanted all the ladies here to hear it, because I've walked with you through it and like just hearing it and just hearing how good God is and how he's brought you through some really hard, not fun things. Um, It depends on how far we want to go back. We (laughs) We were talking about that before. We're like, "Mm, this could be a very long (laughs) way. Yeah. So we, we could go back a long ways. And um, I know that Katie will kind of feed off this a little bit, but there's a point about, Two years ago, year and a half, maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more, that um, we just kind of, we've both discussed it, and we, we've both sat down and prayed and said, Lord, just send us where you want us to, to go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we can get in such a routine of coming to church, going home, chasing kids, that sometimes you don't feel like you're necessarily doing something for the Lord and it, it kind of grinds on you. Yeah. And so we sat down and we just said, Lord, send us. Mm-hmm. And where he took us was not where we expected at all. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think when you, you know, when you have that moment of here I am, Lord, send me, there's this thought like he's going to send me to a lot of conferences mm. and it's going to be so fun. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you realize that you have now partnered with heaven to bring heaven into dark places. Mm -hmm. So you should not be surprised when all of a sudden your surroundings are where you now have to be the light. 
mm-hmm. and that's what you've what you've agreed to. Mm-hmm. That's what you've asked the Lord to do. And I think we get this idea in our head that here I am, Lord, send me, you know, to trouts through the daisies. And it's not that way. All of a sudden you're like, why am I here? And he goes, well, I sent you like you asked me. And that's a moment when you have to really go, okay, well now I have to really trust you because you have literally everything. Like now I'm done. Like if you don't lead me out, of this place, I'm not going out of mm. this place. And I think there's a dependence there that you don't find unless you really follow. And I think that that's almost a really cool place to be. It's scary, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. So you at that time said, God send us and where did you go from there? So let's, let's dive in. Let's see. One Sunday morning <laughs> in November of 2020, I, 2020 was an interesting year. We had gotten into foster care. Oh, we yeah. had our, foster, yeah, you might... our first foster baby mm-hmm. um, from January on. And so, and then I tried to get this goat and my hand broke and this whole thing, this whole thing happened. So I had lots of surgeries and goats and babies. And, uh, that <laughs> kids, was like, it was like a mash together, but it was fun. Um, and so we, I, that was my, that was our main call. Our main drive at that point was foster care. We had rebuilt our house to do foster care. And I thought, you know, this is where we are called. And the Lord told me, you know, <laughs> when we first got into foster care, when they call you, you say yes, and I will handle the rest. So when they call me, I say yes. And so we get this phone call right about legacy was we were going to adopt her, and then they found her dad, and then they found this aunt who is amazing. And so I was like, bummer, great. You know, like I was, we were on our path to adopting her. And then when her aunt showed up, it was like, this is right. And I knew it was right. I didn't want to say out loud that it was right, but it was right. And I knew that the Lord still had her there. And so we get a call from our adoption agency. This kind of goes into a different part of what everything. Um, And they were talking about embryo adoption. And they said most people who go into adoption can't have babies, and that's why they go to adoption. But you can. So these babies never get adopted. Would you be interested in adopting embryos and carrying them? And then you give birth to your own adopted children. And I'm like, I could do that. That Mm -hmm. sounds nice. And so we ended up, you know, God said, say yes, and I'll handle the rest. So we said yes. And we started that process. And so then we're going through this process. And one Sunday morning, Legacy had gone back that day. was her final, it had been her final day of the day before. Well, there's part, an extra little part that she's forgetting, but Legacy. (laughs) (laughs) No, come on, Nick. So. Uh, Legacy had went down to see her aunt yes. a, a week prior, 
And we knew that, that she was going to go and be with her aunt, but she was down with her aunt a week prior. We, we thought, okay, well, she'll, we'll get a week back with her, yeah. and we'll get to spend that time and, and kind of, you know, say our goodbyes almost yeah. at that point. And the whole family got COVID. Mm-hmm. So Legacy's family. Le- yeah. Legacy's family got COVID. And so we missed out on... They wouldn't allow her to come back, no, right? she yeah. didn't get to come back to us. She was, mm-hmm. she was gone at that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, as we've said, she's our goddaughter now. God restored that back yeah. to us. And we're even planning a trip down to Georgia this year that that we get to go and and spend a week with with this this baby that we raised we're going to adopt but is in Mm -hmm. the right place so yeah there you go (laughs) no that's good that i actually remembered that too but i was like oh maybe that's not something they want to share but yeah no so she was it was a it was a pretty rough time because you know she was gone and we were dealing with that and um I was sitting over here and I got this weird pain in my neck and in my shoulder. And so I said to uh, Pastor Darren, there's a word for healing in somebody's neck and in their shoulder right here and in their chest. And he got up and gave a very specific word on how to deal with this specific neck and shoulder you know, he said, go, you know, you need to go to the, to the doctor. This is, you know, you need to follow what they said. And I was like, oh, you know, that's okay. If that's, you know, I didn't really think about it at all, honestly. And then the next day, Nick is like, look at this thing on my neck. And he had these lumps on his neck. And um, I said, you have to go to the doctor. Well, and I, I had been dealing with a lot of, like, acid reflux and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, I've dealt with that before. And kind of overnight, the, the lumps showed up. Mm. Yeah. And I I felt them, and I'm like, that <laughs> that's a little unique. I better at least have her look at it. I, yeah. I wasn't going to the doctor. So I'm like, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, and uh, <laughs> it instantly put me into this fear state because my mom had found my dad's cancer. She had found his tumor. And so it put me back into this place of, oh gosh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, I know what this is and this is not good. And so he went to the doctor and they said, yeah, you have a large tumor in your chest and in your neck, and I think that was it. Yeah. And it's um, looking like lymphoma. We need to figure something out. Well, and and they just kind of sent me home, and they're like, "Yeah, I, sorry about the bad news, but you got a you got a tumor. Go on home, and we'll we'll figure it out." So I'm, I had went to the doctor, not not even thinking anything was going to be an yeah. issue. I thought. I was still working on the acid reflux, and when they did the the chest X-ray, it was about the size of a hot dog sitting right on my heart, and then of course the the lump on my neck. So yeah, and so um, I was praying about it, and I'm like, okay, Lord, like, what do we do? Yeah. You know, and Claire Isabel, I heard him say, you have to fight back. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, 
I know. And he goes, you know what to do. And so instantly I went back to all of the things that I remember from my dad. And I said, we have to go to MD Anderson. I just knew that that's where we needed to go. Mm -hmm. And so I called there, (laughs) not really like, it was such a, you can't really just call and get into a cancer specialist, but Mm -hmm. I can. (laughs) So (laughs) I called there and they got him an appointment, but it was like in three weeks and he was going downhill fairly quickly. Like you could tell he was having a hard time breathing. I didn't know if we could get him on a plane or if that would cause too much pressure in his chest. And so I said, well, you know what? Because I would call every day. And finally the lady goes, if you come to an emergency room here, we can't reject you. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) So I got on a plane. Uh, We got on a plane and we got down there and I told Nick, I said, you need to go to the emergency room. And he didn't want to go. So for three days he sat and did not want to go to the emergency room. And I'm sure, you know. It's just not something that you want to... I, I honestly didn't think I was bad enough to go to the yeah. emergency room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I slept a lot. Um, I I couldn't keep anything down, but I, I, I thought, you know, emergency room, somebody's got to be bleeding or dying. Yeah. Well, turns out. <laughs> turns out. <laughs> turns out. So we went on a walk the third day, and he, we got probably like around the block. And I turned around, and he is white, like wow. white as a ghost. And I said, I'm going back. And he's like, I don't want to go back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, then you're going to be out here alone on the sidewalk. Bye. I'm going back because you are not doing well. And um, he ended up com- coming, following me back. He didn't lay on the sidewalk or anything. <laughs> uh, I didn't leave him. <laughs> he didn't throw that big of a fit. It was funny. Uh, And we got back to the room, and he said, I can't swallow the water. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't swallow it. It's not going down anymore. I said, well, then you have to go to the emergency room because that's that. And so I took him over. We took him over. They yell at me. (laughs) It's really funny, actually. They're, like, yelling at me, and I'm like, I'm not leaving the front of this emergency room, so you're going to have to arrest me. (laughs) That's fine. And so they Because it was all during COVID. Yeah. They were... They yeah, called this, this armed was like security the worst time guy, to be going. Officer Jimmy. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to take you out. I said, no. Come on. Sorry, no. Jimmy. <laughs> and so I said, I just want them to know what is not normal and what is normal for him. I want them to understand this is a problem, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so me, so Jimmy stood there. He was nice about it. And I explained to them, like, I understand you see cancer patients all the time. This is important. And so they took it seriously, <laughs> luckily, or else I would be in jail. <laughs> that would be part of the, you know, <laughs> whoopsie. And so they take Nick back, and he his phone dies, of course. Mm. And so I can't get a hold of him. And I get a phone call from the emergency room doctor, and she said, you know, Mrs. Ford, um, your husband is in kidney failure. He... As a, you know, we don't know what kind of cancer this is. It's not lymphoma. He's really going downhill, and if he makes it through the night, we will, it will be, then we may be able to do something. But it's that bad. And I said, okay. 
And I said, well, what is Nick doing? And she said, he's watching swamp people and eating a sandwich. (laughs) And I said, don't tell him. Just don't tell him he's that close. Like, let's just not say that. Just tell him he's fine. And he's going to be fine. And she's like, well, I'm like, I'm just asking you, can you just do that, please? And so I sat in a hotel room by myself across the street. I could not go see him. His phone was dead. I could not contact him. And I had this thought in my mind that any moment I could get a call that it didn't happen, that he didn't do well. And I was like, so peaceful. I'm not, I have no idea why I would have been that way, but I was, and I could feel all the prayers, all the people that were with us, with us there. It was bizarre, but I felt fine. I knew he was going to be fine. And then the next day I was able to take him his phone charger and he was fine. But, you know, that's when it really started was, you know, he had to go into the ICU for dialysis. (laughs) It was so awesome, too, because we took him in, what was it, seven, eight days before your appointment. But when we took him in, it just so happened that the world-renowned specialist on his kind of cancer was there on call and diagnosed him and got him started on chemotherapy that evening that no other hospital had. It was just, he just lined it out just like that. Mm -hmm. And so he was actually diagnosed with T-cell lymphatic leukemia. Yeah, acute lymphatic leukemia. And, you know, she's kind of talking about how she was at the, at the hotel and alone and everything. And I didn't know any of that was going, going just, on. You I know, got a sandwich. I, 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 I was watching, watching TV and eating a sandwich. <laughs> but before I had went in there, like, we, I talked to, to Pastor Darren, and he said, I want you to know you are not going down there to be a patient at this hospital. He said, God's called you to do more than just go in there and, and be treated and, and, and lay there and let people take care of you. So my attitude going in, like, just like you, it was very peaceful. I didn't realize things were as bad as they were, but at the same time, I could sit there and eat a sandwich, even though I was hurting. Um, and, you know, I went into the ICU and I would... I'd greet all the nurses and I'd talk to them and, and just see, you know, how, you know, how their day was going or just kind of try to be the light that God put in us, try doing that and, and being that to every person that come in. And I would get comments from the ICU nurses that, oh, you're the healthiest ICU patient we've ever seen. Like, <laughs> okay. And I would, I'd get up, I'd walk down the halls, I'd drag my little (laughs) little pole with me but um that was my attitude I wasn't going to be a patient sitting in the hospital and Mm -hmm. and dying Mm -hmm. and uh you know in that I I got to see so many miracles start taking place around me Mm -hmm. and uh you know I ended up being in the hospital there at MD Anderson before I got to got to see her for 
the full month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, I had said my my tumor had went from a, the size of a hot dog, or it was the size of a hot dog here in Colorado. About five to six days after that, it had grown to the size of a what was it? A cantaloupe. Oh wow! It had grown yeah. to the size of a cantaloupe. So that's how quick mm-hmm. it was. It was attacking me, but within seven days of being down there, they couldn't find any cancer in my body. Wow. Um, That's so amazing. So they came in and were talking to us um, about this type of cancer, and this type of cancer is a childhood cancer. This is not a cancer that adult men get. There was one other adult man that they knew of that had gotten this cancer, and he plays for the Houston Texans. And he's back to playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had gone through um, a treatment regimen because they, they don't do trials, medical trials on children because it's just too risky um, for them and they're too little. But they said, would you be willing to go through a medical trial that may help these little kids? And... I looked at Nick. I knew he was cured at seven days, but I also know that if the if there's an opportunity presented to you to fight for life of anyone, you should do it. End of story. And when you go into these places and you see these little kids, mm-hmm. you would do anything to help them or to ease that suffering in them. They, it's it's not. It breaks you. So for us to have an opportunity to say, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, you hear these people that say, you know, you should only focus on the devil long enough to pull the trigger. I agree with that. And then you should go in and pick his pockets. Mm -hmm. You should plunder whatever he has. He doesn't own anything. Yeah. He's stolen everything he has. And you, it's our requirement to go in and get it back. And that's how I feel about that. So when we looked at this and said, you did this, and because Nick got diagnosed, we couldn't do foster care for five years. We couldn't adopt for five years. The only reason that we were able to adopt our embryos was because we had a two-day window, because we were already matched, for this family that had chosen us to say whether they wanted to go forward or not with our situation. And the families both came back and said... God's going to heal your husband, and these are your kids. And so they went through with the adoption. That's the only reason that we were able to do that. We had two days for that to happen, and we signed papers in Texas for him to, for us to get them. But we had an opportunity put before us that we could do something. Mm -hmm. We could choose to do something for them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was... I was signing adoption papers as my hair was falling out. Yeah. That's just that's wow. the reality of it. But there was never a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to get out to raise these kids because that would be a huge burden to say, yeah, we're adopting mm-hmm. these kids, and then I'm not around. Yeah. But, you know, even my doctor in Texas, he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be committing to any of this. And, and we ch- decided to choose life at that point and say mm-hmm. no. I'm going to live. These babies are going to live. Mm-hmm. We're going to take some of these extra kids with yeah. us because <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let this opportunity mm-hmm. 
you know, go. And so Nick went through, he's still going through treatment. He's on maintenance maintenance treatment treatment now, but he went through, like, eight months? I think the last one was in July. Seven months? Seven months, and I think there were were eight different treatments. Mm -hmm. So a very, very strong chemotherapy. Many times he was back, it was um, a five-day chemo, and he would come home, and if he got a fever or anything, he had to go back to the hospital. So it would be like two days at home, and then he would spike a fever, and he would be back in the hospital basically for five days. And then he would get out, and then it was time for treatment again, really. So it was back and forth to the hospital constantly and constantly monitoring him, constantly watching him, constantly, you know, hit one fever he got was, it got to what, 100 and? Um, well, this this kind of where I, I want to just show how good God is and and talk about how he will give you peace in, in situations that you shouldn't have peace in because I was, they had happened to put me in the ICU again here in Greeley and uh, it was only because they didn't have enough rooms for everybody. So they put me in the ICU. And I was laying in the bed, and I'm talking to the nurses again. And I say, said, you might want to check my fever. I, I feel like I'm getting chills. I feel like something, something ain't right. And so they get out their thermometer, and the first one comes back too high to read. Wow. And they said, oh, you... You're all right. We'll get another thermometer and we'll test again. Next one came back 110. Oh, my gosh. And, what? And uh, they said, no, that, that oh. can't be right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sit here and talk with us if yeah. it was 110. And so they got a third thermometer, and it came back 110 as well. And oh my gosh. In, in the meantime, I'm just I'm waiting for for something to happen here. Yeah. And so they started getting ice packs around me and, and just packed me in ice and got mm-hmm. me down to 106. Wow. But in that whole time, I wasn't, I wasn't hurting. I was peaceful as mm-hmm. I never lost my mind or nothing like that. Yeah. I didn't black out, I'm nothing like, like that. What? And I, I was the fainting guy throughout this whole thing. Like I, <laughs> I'd lose lose enough blood cells that I would I'd hit the floor. But uh, yeah, in in certain situations, God just covered me wow. and allowed me to to have that peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was a fainting guy. I told them one time. I said he passes out, and they're like, "Oh, bless your heart, little thing." And then he did it for them, and they called me, and they're like, "He passed out." I'm like, "I know. I told you he does that." And they're like, "Well, are you going to come back?" I said. Oh, he'll come too. Give him some blood. What do you want Give me to do? Yes, you're the doctor. Uh, I said I could come and arouse him. I'm sure, but that's not what we need. Lord. Oh. Oh. Anyway, so there was lots of moments where he was basically, you know, right near death, over and over and over again. And it was one of those things, though, like, I felt like I was standing between the doctors going, I know that we agreed to this, but you can't kill him. Like, you know, (laughs) then your trial is over (laughs) and a lot of stuff is over. Um, So I'm like, sometimes you need to write in your trial that this is too hard for kids. Yeah. That's what your trial is figuring out. Yeah. And so all the doctors knew 
when Mrs. Ford calls, <laughs> hold on to your face because uh-huh. she's going to be kind of testy. And so, but you know, if my husband's over here dying, I'm going to fight you. And so, yeah. um, that, that's, we did a lot of that. And so, uh, we got through that part. We got through when he started maintenance, um, his job, here's, here's the main thing is when Candace called at me, she said, I want to talk about fear and mm-hmm. not allowing fear to control your life and how you live and how the fear of death can control you. And fear, I saw a post that said, fear doesn't take away your life or it doesn't take away death. It takes away your life. Yeah. And how we can get into a point where fear is so in your face that you just stop and you don't go any further. And I think for us, it was, I mean, it was right there all the time. And I'm looking at my little kids going, it's okay. It's going to be fine. But inside I'm like, I don't know. And and we'd be lying if we, we said that there weren't moments of fear in all this. Like (laughs) I was inches from death. I mean, of course fear is going to be there, but at some point you got to say, okay, even though it's right here, I'm I'm still going to follow what the Lord says. If I end up in heaven tomorrow because I die, okay. But I know that if this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to continue to follow the Lord. And that, mm-hmm. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, talking talking to the nurses, talking to uh, just everybody that was treating me. I would walk the halls and, and pray over the, the other cancer rooms that were in, in MD Anderson. And my nurse came in one day and said, man, this is this is strange. I'm like, what's going on? They said, man, are, are you? rooms are usually packed here Mm. and there's only four people on this entire floor. Mm. And, you know, I, I know what, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. was going on. And I was able to say, yeah, we've been praying and God's, God's good. And he's, he's taking care of all these people. Yeah. And then there was another time, like after I got out for a week or so, I had to go back in for another two weeks, another two weeks. And they put me right outside the emergency room helicopter landing mm. pad. And uh, I would sit there and pray over, pray over the hospital. And uh, my doctor came in and said, man, that, that must be annoying out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, the, the launch pad is right outside your window. That helicopter must be coming in and out all night. I said, that helicopter hadn't left since wow. I've been here. Mm-hmm. And... And so, like, these are the little miracles that God, I say little miracles, they're big miracles Mm -hmm. that God was showing me through all this. And and little glimpses of that, I was able to kind of push through that fear because I knew even even though something could happen to me, whatever happened to me, God was still working in other people because he had sent me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I was... Thinking about it one time, I'm like, man, there is no one that can get into these hospitals during COVID mm-hmm. to pay, pray with these people to do anything. Mm-hmm. And God said, well, Nick Ford can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're a real nice guy. <laughs> uh, you know, because he gets his things done with the people that will go and do them. Yeah. I would never say that 
God gave Nick cancer. Yeah. I feel like the devil overplays his hand every mm -hmm. time because he's an arrogant son of a gun. And he said, I'm going to do this. That was not a good plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that he'll remember next time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that I look back and I'm like, how did we face fear? And for me, um, talking about ecclesia, talking about that this week, these last few weeks, is such a huge deal. Because not only was I able to say, this is my identity. Mm -hmm. I know my Heavenly Father, and I can walk through something like this, and He will sustain me. Because there was times Nick's heart rate would be like 30. Wow. And he'd be like, I'm scared to sleep. And I'm like, just sleep. Just sleep. But there's only one way that I could have had peace saying something like that. And that's because my people, mm. my tribe was here. My people were here to lead us. I mean, I've had moments where I was like, I'm on the floor and I'm not going to get back up. It's not real for me. And I had people that would come and just kneel down with you and go, it's okay. You're going to make it. Get up. Get up. I had people feeding my kids, feeding me feeding my animals, feeding my bank account. I had people taking care of literally every need. My house was clean. My kids were taken care of. That is not common. It's not. To have a ecclesia of people, a family, that come around you and can lead you and can take care of you yeah. is not common. I didn't. With my dad, he got diagnosed when I was eight, and he passed when I was 15. And we, didn't, we had people help us, not like this. This was a whole different animal. This was the body of Christ doing the things that we're supposed to do for each other. Where we come and we, they would sit with me, and no one even had to say anything. We all knew it was like, well, this isn't great, you know, but... Everybody just came with words and prayers, and, and that's how I faced it. That's how, for me, that's how I made it, was my family here and my family that came around us. Because the people that you run with should make you braver and bolder. And I knew in my heart, even if the worst thing was to happen, my worst nightmare, that he was gone. I would be okay because I have them. I'm not going to be by myself. I know that there's going to be people who come and take care of things for me. I will not be alone. I will not be left. I'll be okay. So I can do crazy, bold, brave things because I have an entire army that stands with me and prays with me, and they're right here. Even when I was far away, they were right here. Some were like literally right here. <laughs> but that is a, such an important thing. And I know that people say, nobody shows up for me. No, if, if you are in this house, this house, I'm not going to say every house, this house, and you say, I need help, you have to say it. But people show for you. They do. They've painted my house. They've taken care. I mean, this has been years of people showing up for me. 
And this time, though, I was humbled by the people that showed up. I didn't even, I didn't want to get on a plane. I told Nick, I said, well, you're going to be in the hospital for like a month, but I can't, I can't leave Texas without you. Because in my mind, I thought if I leave Texas without Nick, then I leave him. And, you know, my spiritual father, Pastor Darren, was coming down anyways to see Rhett, but he came by and got me and flew home with me (laughs) just so that I didn't have to by myself. You know, things that your family takes care of and that you do for each other is so important. And you may think, oh, I only brought one meal or I only did this. Altogether, we were taken care of 100%. And that can only happen in an ecclesia family. And that's what we have here. So I, we are so grateful for that. And that's the only way I made it was, was that way. Well, and, and I know what the Lord showed me with this church. And, and I'll be honest, I, I got prayers from, from this church. I got from the church I grew up in. I got it from churches I had never been to, but the word had spread that I needed prayer. Um, there was a, a random Catholic church that sent me a card saying that they were putting me on a prayer list, and I don't know. They were lighting a candle for you. I don't know how I got there, but like, yeah. Oh, so I, I'm just saying, like, there were prayers everywhere. But what God showed me is, and this goes for me as well, you know, we have someone come and stand up here in this church needing prayer, and and our our pastors will say, you know, stretch your hands towards them and and pray for him. And I I did it half-heartedly sometimes. But you guys don't know how powerful those prayers are. Mm-hmm. Stretching your hands towards Texas, towards somebody that stood in for me, I don't know what went on. Or if it was just <laughs> prayers, you know, that you you and God had. But those, that is what carried us through this. Like, yeah, we've we seen glimpses of, of what God was doing through us. And... It was awesome to see the miracles, but it never never failed. Each day I would get somebody saying, I'm praying for you. You're mm-hmm. going to get through this. Yeah. And then I know that the ecclesia, the church came together, and it was that extra boost that I needed to, to be able to go ahead and push through some of that fear, mm-hmm. some of that, that doubt that came through, some of the questions of why is this happening to me. Um, it took you know, me going to the Lord to hear him. But one of the things he showed me was, you got people praying for you. Yeah. And yeah. and I did. And here I am today. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I joke around because people will ask me, well, how are you doing? How I feel 100%. I'm, I feel back Praise to where God. I was. I gimp around now because I threw out my back chasing <laughs> pigs. I mean, <laughs> it, it has true. nothing to do with with any cancer that I had mm-hmm. or any treatments I'm still going through, but I'm back yeah. because God restored me. And it was with the prayers and, and the, the help from everybody that, that came together that we're even here today. Yeah. And I think that there's also, you know, there's a part to Ecclesia too, that Ecclesia was a body that was taken out of, it's a separated body, but they also were a governmental type of body. 
and in, not in a politic way, but in like an authority way. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need to be close to things that break our hearts and take responsibility and take authority there and say, mm. I could do something about That's this. So good, Katie. I yeah. could, you know, when you look at these little kids going through cancer treatment, I can't even watch those commercials. It makes it, I can't do it. But when given a chance to help them, mm -hmm. okay. And when given a chance to, you know, <laughs> put a baby in your stomach that you're not related to, but that's its chance to live. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think we go here and my Lord send me and you should be really excited about where he's going to send you. It's, you should not be fearful. Yeah. I don't want any part of this to make you be like, Ooh, I'm not doing that. No. Do it because it changes the world. Mm -hmm. And when you take your authority and you say, you know what? No, no more of this. I'm going to make the decision and I have the authority here now because you drug me down here. So now you're in for it. But, <laughs> and I feel like we need, we need to have that in us that we go, well, now I choose. Yeah. Cause I still get a choice. And the thing is with, with fear in the culture right now, it shuts everyone down. But the fact of the matter is, is it's so important that we take that authority because they watch us. Mm -hmm. Them. My little kids watched their parents choose this day and choose these things and take our authority. And I'm going to raise children that are brave and bold and world changers because of the example that I set. Yeah. Well, and they, they watched us walk it out to, mm -hmm. to completion. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've got to the other side of this and my answer or my response to the Lord is here I am send me mm -hmm. if, if I had to go through it again. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send be honest. Us to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I'll but, do ministry there. The but beach. it's, it's still my answer. Yeah. And I, I honestly, if if that wasn't my response to the Lord, I don't know what kind of life I'd be living. It, it, I, mm -hmm. I feel like I'd still be, you know, walking for the Lord and going, like I said, going to church, going home, raising mm -hmm. kids. But there's there's something extra he gives you yeah. when he says, you know, good job. Thank uh -huh. you for going yeah. where I called you to go. Well, you don't get that nagging that you're like, what did I miss out on? What did I miss out on for you, God? And I mean, I think that question, I mean, we've all done that, gone to the like grocery store and God's like, hey, pray over that lady and you don't do it. And you're like, what did I miss out on? And like, I mean, you do that enough and it really, you either become numb to it or you actually do what he asked you to do. Yeah. And like, when he asked you to do that, Nick, like when he asked you to, when you guys decided to do that trial, like all I can think of is Jesus, like he chose to suffer. Like he could have walked away from all of that. Like I really truly believe that he could have been like, you know, he prayed for that cup to pass him, but he says that I choose to lay down my life. I choose the yeah. suffering. And people will look at you like, yeah, are you? like wasted or something because uh -huh. you're going to sacrifice. Do you understand what you're going mm -hmm. to go through to yeah. do this? Mm -hmm. But when 
you know that the Lord is with you and you know that that's when you have that peace there mm-hmm. and you know that that's right. Yeah. And he'll sustain you through it. Yes. You know, as, as rough as it is, if you can go into something knowing that your dad's going to be there for mm-hmm. you, you can, you can take that boldness that may not be there alone, but say, mm-hmm. you know, what? my dad said, I can, I can yeah. knock this mountain down and tell it to move yeah. and it'll move you start walking towards it yeah. and and that's you know, living yeah i don't know yeah it's not boring <laughs> well and like katie and i when i called katie the whole reason this all came around i'll just like give a little backstory is i had been listening to an audio book called the comfort crisis and it was talking about like in this western world how we are obsessed with comfort and you know we like the temperature in the room to be a certain thing. We like our clothes to not have anything itchy. We like, you know, everything has to be very comfortable. And um, he was talking about, you know, so when the pandemic hit, we were faced with our mortality. Like, this isn't comfortable. But also, like, wow, I'm not going to live forever, which we already weren't going to live forever. But I think that for a lot of people, especially people that maybe don't follow Jesus are like, wait, I can't control this and this isn't good and I'm going to freak out and, you know, go into full on, you know, stay home lockdown mode. And, um, I feel like that, that, that when that all cut loose, it was a huge stark, like in your face kind of thing. And, um, in this book, they were talking about like in Eastern cultures, death is everywhere. Like, I mean, many of them are underdeveloped countries and stuff like that, but like, there's like on this corner of the street, there's this mound because this monument was built to this guy that died, you know? And I mean, there, it's just like everywhere. Like death is in so many different places. And, um, in, in America, it's like, we put them in the ground, we put a gravestone and then, you know, it's gone and done with. And we dress them up and we put makeup on them when they're in their casket because people aren't supposed to look dead. Right. Like, I don't know. And so there's just this thing where we're like, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to deal with it. We don't want to, we don't want to think about it. So we're just going to do everything we can to avoid anything that looks like death. That's a that's, I mean, it's associated with that fear right. and that fear of death. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, gosh, like this is at a total different level than you guys. But like my husband used to ride bulls for a living. Like that is what he did professionally three to five times every weekend for most of our first 12 years of marriage. And I remember like that was the number one question I got from everybody was, aren't you scared he's going to get hurt? Aren't you scared he's going to die? Like, and I was like, yeah, you know, at one point, yes, that did hit me. And it was kind of scary, but I was like, I had to come to terms with God and praying for my husband and having that peace that he's going to be okay. And that no matter what, like, I'm still going to walk this, this walk of faith forward. And I remember I told Katie, like, I remember God taking me He's like, you know what? You're scared of losing him and you're scared of all of these things happening. Let's let's go down that path. Let's look and see what this is. And I've given this advice to wives of bull riders before. And I'm like, it's not fun, but let's go down that path. Okay, he gets killed. What do you, 
what are you left with? Okay, you still got your family. What if everything, what if everything's taken away from you? And I had to come down to the path of like, I still choose Jesus and I still have Jesus and I'm still going to follow him wholeheartedly. And as long as I have him, like, I'm going to be okay. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, it's so simple when you think about that. And I feel like that that allows me to live life like, hey, you know what? If I die, I go to heaven with him. If he dies, like, he's going to be in heaven, and I'm going to keep living this life. And no, it's not going to be easy. No, it's, it, there's going to be really hard times, and it's going to look ugly and messy. But ultimately, like, I'm going to meet him there, and I'm going to be with Jesus. And yeah. that's, I don't know. Like, live life with that in the forefront of your mind instead of, like, what if could happen. Yeah. It, it breaks you down to to see what your true priorities are. And yeah. just like you said, if everything was gone, what are you going to do? What are you going to have? Oh, everything's gone except Jesus because he isn't, he isn't leaving us. Yeah. And, and that's where you choose to just continue to, mm-hmm. you know what? If they can have this world, I'm going to have Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's totally. Yeah. I think for me too, because the enemy likes to come at where he got you before. And I think for me, it was very much a fear thing because of what we walked through with my dad and then when we lost him. So I saw this almost half truth of, well, if this happens, then this will happen because this is what happened in the past. But I live a different life now Mm -hmm. and I have a different like call. My whole life is completely different than it was when I was young and, and stuff like that. So it was one of those things that, you know, I asked the Lord, I don't even know where I'm getting this, but I asked the Lord last year in the middle of all this, I said, what can I focus on? Like, what do you want from me? You know, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is not going very well. What do you even want from me? Like, I'm doing all these things. <laughs> what? And he goes, I want you to laugh without fear of the future. And I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> laughing now. That's a funny request. But he's put people in front of me that can do it in their situation. Hmm. And he said, they can do it. Yeah. They can do it. And so he put people out there in front of me that, I, that are blazing that trail in front of me even that you have to focus on, all right, I can do this. And they're running ahead of me and I'm right behind them. And then there's people behind me. And if I stop here, they stop here. And it's worth it to me to keep going. And do I laugh without fear of the future? A little bit, a little bit. I'm getting better. But it's just something that if you allow fear to steal that from you, Mm. you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I encourage you to trust him there, even there, and see what he does. Because he does really cool things. I mean, even Mm -hmm. Nick's job, they kept his job the entire time he was sick. And he went back into his office, and he said it was like no one had even been in there. They knew he was coming back. I didn't always know that. They knew. (laughs) (laughs) These are, like, super saved people, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, it was just known. And you just got to know that even in those moments, Mm -hmm. he's got you, man. It's okay. 
It's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid to live. Chase your call. Do what you're supposed to do. Raise your hand when he says, and trust. Mm-hmm. And trust. And have a family around you. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys like? I mean, I love, I think everything you guys said was amazing. And I'm like going home thinking about like, gosh, what can I laugh at without fear of the future tomorrow? And just live that life of like, man, like I'm trusting you, God, like regardless of what it looks like. I mean, our next, our next step is Mm -hmm. that she is pregnant with one of those embryos. Um, July, right? Yep. July. Summer Um, babies. I don't know why every time for me, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's, it's, (laughs) uh, it's one of those situations we can laugh at because they're, you know, I'm the father, she's the mother, but (laughs) one <laughs> from either one of us, no, you know? but we're yeah. not, but we are. Yeah, and, and you explain that to some people and some of them, some of them will, will balk at it and just yeah. be like, no. Well, the first some, time Katie told me, I was like, that. you can do that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. so cool. But, I had no idea. Yeah. Say. So <laughs> basically what it is, is people who have IVF treatments say they make in our case, it was 12 embryos that they had made. Well, she had one baby and had to have a hysterectomy. Well, what about, what about the rest? You know, and in, it, as a Christian, that's a person. Like, mm-hmm. that's a life. And so um, they, they, you know, but it's a life. Yeah. And so they adopted them out. Another lady, she had a couple that she tried to have and they didn't take and then she had one and she had to have a hysterectomy and so there was six left and they're like uh it's really funny because i was like okay i say yes you do the rest ha 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 okay great and they call me and there's like so there's six i'm like no (laughs) no Uh, now i say no and the Lord had told me, he, he said, I told Nick, I said, I feel like they're coming from the Carolinas for some reason. I don't know. I feel like that was going to be like our, like, this is the right way. And they're like, but, you know, I'm like, well, I got to, you know, I got to check with my clinic and make sure that it's all going to be fine. I got to get out of this somehow. And they're like, oh, we already checked. They said it was great. I'm like, oh, well, I got to talk to my husband and see about this. And, the, and, I, and she's like, oh, well, it looks like they're coming from South Carolina. So I'm like. All right, send them, I guess. That's fine. I hear you, Lord. Confirmation. And so we adopted the six of them. And so they have two biological siblings from two other families. Both families chose us for them. Both families said, you know, they believe Nick was going to be fully healed. And so now they are our babies. And that's... No, 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 we just do a couple at a time. You know, we throw two or three in there, but you know, no. she's going to be this big. No, I, yeah, no, we, it's not a litter necessarily. They, they're all, so you mean you're oh yeah, mm-hmm. there'll, there'll be another time. Uh, I don't know how much detail you want to say, but they, yep. they were frozen. So when they thawed out, one didn't make it. And then, so we put two in this time. And then we, and we only have one, one, we lost one, one but yeah. we got one. And so, I mean, but, but the other two were given a chance at life. Like yeah. I, yeah, 
I, I don't want to diminish like, oh, you know, they're gone. No, they, no. they're where they're supposed to be. God's, God's got them as well. But, you know, it, it just wasn't for them to be. And it was, it was hard. I mean, it was one of those things where I, once I knew there were six, I plan, Mm -hmm. okay, there's going to be six more. And I think the the thought of losing a couple of them wasn't necessarily in my brain. And then when it happened, I'm like, you know what? I've come too far. I have, (laughs) we have fought hard for this. And so we're going to celebrate every single one of them and every single life that we gave a chance to is worth it. And Every we, time, and we had names for all of them. Yeah. yeah. So and it was it was actually pretty cool because I went to visit one of my really good friends, Stacy Hartwig, and I go to her church, and this little lady comes up to me, and she puts her hands on my stomach, and she goes, "You know their names, write their names." This is right before Nick got. She's like this little Chinese lady. I'm like, whoa. Look here, I don't know what you ate for lunch, but chill it out, and. Um, she was like, you write their names. You know their names. And so the Lord had given me six names. So I wrote their names down. And when I was in the middle of going through this, I would sit there and I would go. I would go over the list. This will be established. This will be established. And it was almost like that thing out there that I knew he established for us that was going to pull me through this because I knew that they were there. Mm-hmm. And so it was... It's just so, and she said, you're going to get a miracle in December. And I thought, oh, great. I'll be pregnant in December. That's pretty quick, lady. Wow. Hey, what did you eat for lunch? I think I'm going to go there. And then it turned out that Nick was healed in December mm-hmm. in seven days. So she, yeah. she was correct. And, but I think that, you know, we gave identity and prayed over every one of those mm-hmm. and that they will be there when I get there. So it, we gave them the shot to, to live here. I don't know, not in control of all of that. But the fact of the matter is, is I will always say, choose life. Choose to try to live. Mm-hmm. Choose. Yeah. So that, that's, that's that story. Absolutely. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of people are very quiet about this kind of thing. But if you could tell some people, they could be, they could get a shot too. Somebody else could try to live. Mm-hmm. No, it was through an adoption agency. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's uh, what we do. So you yeah. can visit our compound anytime. <laughs> <laughs> good good chance of it. We don't know what's what's going to happen in the next couple hours. So well, I just love the story hour, of so. like. I mean, you guys took your house, the little house. Like I remember visiting it, like when Nick was like in high school, like when we were kids. It was like a little house. You guys took it all the way down to the studs. And you built rooms for these kids that, like, you know, you're like, we're, we're building we'll it. We'll fill them eventually. <laughs> yeah. It'll happen one way or the other. Yeah, yeah that. And it's so beautiful. And we lived in a camper in a oh, pasture yeah, for a year. Yeah. <laughs> it uh-huh. snowed on me in my bed. In my bed. <laughs> but we, Thanks, Haley gave us a camper to live in for free. So. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> needed a salt circle, that camper. Yes. Um, well, thank you for listening to our yeah. long story. And I, I do want to say, like, our, our kids went through all yeah, this with us as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know it was difficult for them, yeah. you know, and and so I want to give them the credit they deserve because yes. they, they've been on this, this walk right with us, and and they've continued, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we're all still standing at the moment. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did a very, they were very brave through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that as a little kid, I remember being very afraid of, but they did yeah. an awesome job and everybody, I mean, we fight together as a family and that's just mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. So they got to hear a lot of things that they were probably like, that's not great. But I think in the end, when it's their life and they get to choose Mm-hmm. I hope that we set a good example to yeah. choose to fight, to choose to love, to choose to laugh and, and choose life, mm-hmm. choose to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, if you can give that example to your children, what other, what better gift could, what better teacher is there mm-hmm. than to say, this is worth it. Even with legacy that, that broke them that she was yeah. gone, but yeah. it was worth it yeah. and they know it. Mm-hmm. And it taught them to love people. Mm-hmm. And they got to see how awesome God is that he restores even the things that are taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Legacy was taken from us. Mm-hmm. But we got to see the family she got to go to. Yeah. She comes to our house in the summer. We get a video chat with her, you mm-hmm. know, a couple times a month. She isn't gone. Yeah. God continued that relationship. And we get comments from social services from the court systems that this doesn't happen Mm -hmm. you know the the foster family doesn't stay a part Mm. of the yeah we have our own paperwork yeah (laughs) they call it the ford file they're like we've never written paperwork like this so that's how awesome god is that Mm -hmm. even even these things that seem like they're lost he will restore and Mm -hmm. i i want them to to grow up knowing you know what, I'm going to step out in faith and God will be there to, to be my provider, to be my protector. And he's faithful to us. Yeah. 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 yeah I want them to be able to, when, if stuff hits the fan, mm-hmm. that they go, all right, then mm-hmm. you're going to pay for that. <laughs> that's fine. But I know God and I know who he is. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the best thing you can know. Mm-hmm. Amen. So. Nick, would you pray over the rest of the, all the ladies and tonight? Thank you. Father, we thank you so much that, that you allowed us to, to share the testimony that you gave us, Lord. And I just pray that, uh, you know, whoever is hearing this, whether it's here in the room or, or whoever hears it later, that you would just speak directly to their heart, that they would know how great you are, how, how faithful you are, and be willing vessels to say, send me where you need me to go. Amen. We just pray that it wouldn't be a fear thing to, to step out in faith for you, but it would be a boldness that just just envelops each one of us to say, you know what, my father is going on before me, and I'm, I'm going to be right in his, 
right right behind him, holding on to his, his coattails, just going wherever he goes. And we thank you, Lord, that that you gave us the boldness when there was times we didn't feel like we could have it, but you did. You were faithful to us, and we love you for it, and, and we just thank you so much for loving us. And I pray that you would just share your love with each and every person here, that they would just feel how awesome you are and how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.